15, Romans chapter 15, <clears throat> and as you're turning there, we, we mention that, um, you know, the chapter divisions were not inspired by God. We, we thank God for the chapter divisions and verse divisions because they help us find our way around the Bible. You know, if you'd say about six or seven pages into Romans, well, you're six or seven pages in, maybe different than somebody else's. So it helps us find our way around the Bible. But we get in our minds that, well, that chapter ended and so it's on to something new. But really, um, as you recall, in chapter 14, he was giving instructions to the believers how to work out this transformed life, what it should look like as it comes out of our life. And we saw last week he said, don't despise one another like "Ah, they don't get it, they have liberty here and there. And on the other hand, he said, don't condemn others by saying, oh, they aren't as spiritual as we are. If they were, they knew they wouldn't, shouldn't be doing this or that. And he says, rather live for God's kingdom and pursue peace. All of these are in chapter 14. And he says, don't destroy the work of God by, by you holding on to your pet, doctrine or pet peeve and using it as a wedge to destroy the work of God, he said, don't be doing that. The work of God is much more important than any of our egos, than any of our um, get it right my way or whatever. So he says, whatever you do, don't destroy the work of God and live with the clear conscience. And so he, he's saying all that, and he was talking about the strong and the weak. And so he begins chapter 15, We then who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And he goes on and he holds forth, Even Christ did not please himself, but came as a servant. Now, honestly, it's, it's relatively easy to um, to talk about these things, but when it gets into the nitty-gritty of real life and you have a, a firm belief in one area and somebody has a firm belief that's opposite to your firm belief in these areas of gray, it's easy then <clears throat> to... Depart from the exhortations he give. Pursue peace. Don't get in destroying the work of God. Don't condemn. Don't despise. It's easy for us to to neglect those things and get where in our heart and mind, you know, we're we're all real good at it, smiling with someone. And in our mind, we're thinking other thoughts rather than smiling. And God knows the heart and God knows what's going on inside us. And so Paul is saying all these things, but if we're honest with ourselves, we say, wow, this is is hard. 
And and really, it's more than hard. It's it takes a supernatural work of God. And in chapter 15, he's continuing this, and and he really he really brings out, and and this may may be kind of sublimely bringing out that this that God's called us to do and to be like Christ and not pleasing ourselves is very difficult, but God is able to give us the power to do it. And the only way that we're going to be able to do it is if it's through God. And in essence, Paul says three times in this chapter, the God, and then he says something about God. And really, these three things we want to look at this morning, and they are key for us in the world that we live in to live a transformed life. Because if God is this, it should produce something in our daily lives, in the nitty-gritty of life. It should produce a transformed life if we really believe God is this. And, and so the question is, if God is this, where is God in our life? And, and that's something we really need to examine in our own life. We're called to be the light. We're called to be the salt. And so we want to look at the three things, three of the things that, that Paul called our attention to in Romans chapter 15. And, and you'll get into more of the details of the chapter um, in, the, in your groups tonight. But you notice, as we said, he said, don't live to please yourself. Even Christ pleased not himself. And then you notice verse 4. For whatsoever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says here, the God of patience and comfort. He's praying, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded as fellow believers pursuing peace. Be like-minded that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Now, the key in that, it is the God that he mentions here of patience and comfort. We're, we're going to mention it as the God that gives endurance and comfort. In dealing with life, there are situations that we need patience or endurance Literally, the, the word that is used here is, is a word that, that means um, remaining under some discipline, subjecting oneself 
to something which demands an acquiescence of my will to that which I would normally rebel. This is patience, endurance. And it's God, the God of all patience, endurance, and it's it's not just a... Uh, a bearing up under a heavy load with a, a grin and bear it attitude, but a triumphantly facing difficult circumstances, knowing that even in this, God promises to produce good in it. It's literally the word means cheerful endurance. Now, we're not going to be able to do that in and of ourselves. It's, it's the attitude of a soldier who in the thick of battle is not dismayed, but fights stoutly and resolutely whatever difficulties may come. So, in living life with Christians, we need... To bear up under many things. And not just, I'm going to endure it. Rather, cheerfully endure and, and understand God is using this, as we already saw in Romans, in the sanctification process in my life. And not only in my life, but in the lives of others. It is, it is understanding um, the the aspect that this is hard for me, and my natural response would not be what God's called me to do. But the God that gives endurance is my God. Jerry Bridges said, makes an interesting distinction. He said, endurance is the ability to stand up under adversity. Perseverance is the ability to progress in spite of it. And, and really, the, the two English words, endurance and perseverance, are translations of the same Greek word that is used here, and it is... To sum it up, it is a godly response in adversity. So, in the sanctification process, there come some difficult situations. And it's not just, oh, I'm going to bear up. When will this go away? It's cheerfully enduring. And it's progressing, growing more Christ-like, even in the midst of it. Because... Nothing comes into our life to be wasted. God has a purpose for everything that comes into our life. So it's not, not just, when will this pass? Lord, take this away. God, remove this. God, remove this. No, it's going to God and saying, God, you are the God of patience and endurance and, and perseverance. And, and I need your power. And I, I, I can't bear up under this. You know I want to respond in this way. And God, that doesn't glorify you. You are the God of patience and comfort. 
And the key in all this, he said right before that, the things that were written were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we get the endurance and the comfort to continue through the Scriptures and specifically through the Old Testament. That's specifically what he is referencing here. See, many times we're, we're prone, we're New Testament Christians, we're prone to just focus on the New Testament. But he said, I wrote the Old Testament for your learning because in this life you are going to need endurance and perseverance and you're going to need comfort. And he said, I am the God of all endurance and I provide comfort. And he says, I've designed to do it through the Scriptures, specifically what he's writing, what Paul is writing here, through the Old Testament. If we, if we neglect the Word of God, we will not be able to have the strength to cheerfully endure. We will not be able to have the comfort that ministers in our heart and life. But if we, through the Scriptures, saturate in the Scriptures, we're going to see that God proved true for Noah. And we're going to see, how long was Noah? Wow, Noah's been 120 years just just preaching. I haven't even lived just barely over half of that. And we're going to see, that's the same God as mine. And we're going to read about Abraham. And God made promises to Abraham, and it looked like they would never be fulfilled. And we learn from Abraham, you don't want to take things into your own hands and think you're going to do it, because that we're still bearing the consequences of that decision in our world today. But Abraham, by faith, waited on the Lord, and God blessed him. You're going to read of many others. You're going to read of Gideon. And and in Gideon's life, God called them and said, "You're going to go deliver the Israel. Not me. I'm I'm here in hiding." And he said, "No, you're going to." And he said, "These are the men you're going to go with." And and he said, "Nope, that's too many, and that's too many, and that's too many. Here, take three hundred men to go against tens of thousands." Why that doesn't make any sense at all. But God empowered Gideon and those men, and God brought the victory. And we're reminded that's the same God that we serve. And you read about Israel, and they served God, and they went away from God, and they served God, and went away from God. And you read it, and you might get frustrated. When will these Israelites ever learn? And that's when God taps on your shoulder and said, you're looking in a mirror here. What you see in Israel is what I see in you. We go to God, then we go away. We go to God when it's really bad and when it's good, we go away. And he says, I ended up proving faithful to the Israelites, and I will prove faithful to you. You'll read of David, 
You'll read of Joseph. You'll read of Job. You'll read of Elijah and Elisha and the prophets. All of those things aren't just stories that God said, oh, what will they teach in Sunday school if I don't give this? No, they're to minister encouragement and comfort. And it's a tool that God has designed to bring the God of all encouragement and comfort and endurance into our life so that we will be able to endure whatever comes in this life. And this is the God, the God of endurance. I can't go on, God. And we go to God, the God of endurance, to get the power to endure. And God uses His Word to help us with that. It's clearly a supernatural work of God. It's something... When something happens in our life that is hard and painful and frustrating and disappointing, it's used of God to bring us to the very heart of God to get the strength to endure, to get the comfort for our our wounded hearts. Someone has said it is better to go through the storm with Christ than to have smooth sailing without Him. Think of that in light of our nation. We've had some smooth sailing, but it's been without Him. It's better to go through a storm with Christ than to avoid all the storms and not have Christ. And I believe that God is allowing things to happen in our nation, but He allows things in our individual lives too to drive us to this God That is so many things, but one of the things He is, He is the God of endurance, patience, perseverance, and comfort. But then, notice if you'd look in verse 13. Paul reminds them again, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope work in you so that you abound in hope. Again, it's all tied to God. And, And it is. God is the one that gives hope. And the hope that He uses here, when you read of hope in the Bible, it's not, boy, I hope that happens. I hope it doesn't snow tomorrow or I hope it does snow or whatever. No, it's, a, it, it's completely different than that. It is a confident expectation. It is, I rejoice that God said this is going to happen and it is going to happen and I am counting on it. I have all confidence in it. And this is the God that gives hope. And Paul is saying that I'm praying that you will get from the God who gives hope so that you are abounding in hope. Looking forward with expectancy and delight because of the certain glorious things that are in the future. You understand a dejected, distressed, 
discouraged saint is yielding to a spirit that is completely contrary to the God of hope. God is a God of hope. And when we, in the midst of this life, this sanctification process as believers, are are down and and discouraged and dejected as our nature, there, there will come bouts of that. And what do you do with it? Do you run to the God of hope? It is only God that gives hope. And it is that inward peace, that, that sufficiency that is not affected by the circumstances around us, a biblical joy. But you notice what he says here. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. This hope comes when we actually believe what God says. Not just here, but when it comes a reality and the... Wait a minute. I I know God said this. I know God said that He will make all things work together for good. And God, I'm counting on that. God, I know You said You will never leave me nor forsake me. And and it it really may feel like it right now that, that You have, God. I feel forsaken, but I believe You are with me and I am resting in that. And when we when we put our belief that turns into action... The evidence of belief is what it does in our life. It will produce, the God of hope will produce joy and peace in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope cannot fill us with joy and peace if we don't believe. That means if we don't act on what we know. It is when we believe and act on what we know that then the Holy Spirit begins the work in us to help us to abound in hope. The abounding hope pushes out all the other devices of Satan to come into our heart and soul and to get us to be worn down. When we focus on God, we will be given hope. Confident expectation. In Philip's translation of this verse, he says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in your faith, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, your whole life and outlook may be radiant and alive. I like that. May the God of hope, because of who He is, and the future He's promised. May it fill our lives to be radiant and alive. Wow. That's what God's God's done for us. And it should be manifested here and, and in the reality of this life. So the reality, if you are not abounding in hope, we need to consider that we need to go to God and we need to make this our prayer. God, may the God of you, your hope, 
be spread abroad in my heart by the Spirit of God. Show me what is hindering this. And Lord, I want to be alive and radiant in you. You know, it's easy for us to get caught up. It's easy for me to get caught up in what's wrong in this world. And what's wrong in this world, focusing on that, is never going to make me to be radiant and alive in hope. And I think in our Christian circles in our nation, the last six months or six weeks or two weeks, it's been easy for us to get our eyes off God and we've lost the radiance and the life that our God is a God that gives hope. And the world is desperately saying, where is their hope? And we're saying, ah, there is no hope, man. This is bad and that's bad and everything's bad. And God is the God of endurance and comfort. He is the God of hope. And look at verse 33. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Three things Paul reminded God is a God of endurance and comfort. He is a God of hope. He is a God of peace. Peace is the opposite of division and dissension. And peace is a state of harmony and concord and oneness. And you look through Paul's epistles and he's always talking about the peace of God and dwell together in peace because this is the heart of God. God is a God of peace. In Philippians 4, he said, those things that you have learned and received and heard in me, do them and the God of peace will be with you. He wrote to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 5 and verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and body and soul will be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. So he's saying, God is a God that gives peace contrary to anxiety, a God that gives peace contrary to division and fighting, a God that gives peace contrary to the, the bickering or any of that, contrary to the restlessness, He's a God of peace. We sang, How great Thou art. We ought to be again saying, God, how great You are. You are a God that enables me to endure, and not only endure, but cheerfully endure and comfort me during it. And God, not only that, you are a God that gives hope. That, that I have hope and the best is yet to come. And not only that, God, but in the midst of that, it is well with my soul. 
I have peace. Now, I don't know about you, but those three things challenged me in my spirit. And I, and I thought, man, there's been, there's been a lot of days here lately that I've forgotten that I haven't made my focus that God is the one that will give me the strength to endure and the comfort to do it. And God is the one that will give me hope. And God is the one that will give me peace. I had better be running to God. I had better make Him my focus. See, is there evidence of God in your life by the endurance that you show? How you bear up under difficult things and not just bear up, but cheerfully bear up? And the comfort that you have in that? Is there an evidence of God in your life by the hope that you have? The confident expectation, man, I I know how this ends. The best is yet to come. And um, with a shout of acclamation, he'll call me home. And we have that hope. Is there evidence of God in your life by the peace that you manifest? See, in every one of those, when there's a lacking of peace, it's, it's the dashboard light going off and saying, you need to get your focus back on God. And, and in the current climate that we're in, this is a reminder to us. Wait a minute. All this is going on. You see all those executive orders he signed? Man, what's going to happen? And so I'm saying this, when you hear me talking like that, I want you to say to me, but Pastor, God is a God of hope. Seriously, we need to help each other. How many of you have been prone to have no hope? Raise your hands. How many of you have been prone, you've been angry about things going on? Okay. How many of you have been angels and nothing's bothered you and everything's wonderful? We need to help each other to get our focus back on God so that when it says, man, look at this and look at this. Yeah, but God is a God of endurance. And if we run to him, he'll give us the strength to endure. But God, that's what we need to say. But God can give me peace. But God gives hope. But God gives endurance and comfort and wisdom. And and we just mentioned the three things about God from chapter 15. But I, I don't know if I can get along with that. But God is the God that will give me the strength to be able to bear up and respond properly in adversity to the glory of God. Do you realize what a great God it we limit it is well with my soul, the song, to just that he saved us. It ought to be well with our soul all the time. It was well with Joseph's soul. The comfort and the instruction of the Old Testament. I mean, none of us have faced what Joseph went through. It was well with his soul. It was well with Stephen's soul. Man, God called him to preach. He preached the Word of God. 
and didn't even get to the invitation. They picked up stones and stoned him, and he was praising God even as he died. How does that happen? It wasn't Stephen. It was the God of endurance and comfort and hope and peace. And that's the same God you have and the same God I have. And, and that's what he's called us to. And to realize, man, God, God has everything we need for this life. And it, it probably won't be the way you want it to be. But tell me how much of your life has gone just the way you exactly wanted it to go. But God is the grand designer, isn't he? He is the grand weaver. And you can trust him that he is weaving this together to make something to the praise and the glory of God. Not just your life. He's including your life in the grand picture of all of history. And he has faithfully been the God of endurance and comfort through all these generations. And now we're the ones that are in the weaver's beam, so to speak. We're the ones that he's weaving through. And he says, hey, just let me remind you from the Old Testament and the New Testament. But let me remind you, I was weaving in all of these people's lives to my glory and I'm still doing the same thing today in your life. Okay. Okay, God. You got it under control. Man, that's nice to know. I can rest in that. And we can. We'll never, ever be able to say, God, you made a mistake right here when you did this. Never. And everything in our life has a purpose to point us to Him. Either one, to bring us to salvation, or two, to make us like Christ. In every life, we know those are all the purposes of what He's doing. And His heart is one that provides comfort and endurance and hope and peace. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me to reflect the power and the glory of you. Because you are a God of patience and endurance and comfort. You are a God that provides and gives confident expectation for the future. And you are the God of peace. So Lord, we ask that we would be reflectors of your character. As we trust you, trust your word, and manifest that trust in our obedience to you. So Lord, you know we're weak. You know we can't do these things of loving one another and and not pleasing ourselves and and serving others and pursuing peace. Lord, we can't do it.
but through you we can. So Lord, may we know the power of you at work in our lives so that we would live radiant lives that are alive in the power of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.